ask that you give careful attention now to the reading of God's holy word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is God's word. Let me pray one more time. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving it to us. We thank you for um, what we read in it. Uh, And we pray that as we uh, look at it in more detail now, uh, that you would encourage us uh, all the more, that you would strengthen us uh, so that we might uh, do what you have called us to do in your word, that we would do so joyfully in the strength that you give us bringing glory to you uh, and uh, joy uh, to our own hearts uh, and good to those around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been said that the Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And that's true enough, (laughs) but uh, I've never actually run a marathon confession time. (laughs) Uh, Most people I know haven't actually run a marathon. Uh, So how are the rest of us who aren't superhumans uh, supposed to uh, prepare for and run this lifelong race that is laid out for us by God as we see commended to us in our passage this morning? Well, that's the question that that our text Uh, really seeks to answer this morning. That's what it talks about. Thankfully, God doesn't require of us uh, an intense training regimen before he allows us to register and start running. Uh, He provides uh, on-the-go training, as it were, and refreshment and support in order to ensure that he brings us all the way to the end of the race. We're still called run, right? but we do so in the strength that he provides, and we do so best by utilizing the helps that he provides for us. So that's what our text is all about this morning. It's a call to run, and to run with endurance, taking hold of the chief resource that God gives us for endurance, and that's Christ Jesus himself. In fact, there are three imperatives in this short passage Uh, Three commands in our three verses. Seems like a a nice little setup for a three-point sermon, doesn't it? Uh, Let's lay aside every weight and sin, it says. Let us run with endurance the race set out before us. And uh, consider him so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Of course, if we look closer at those, it's it's in a lot of ways not necessarily three separate it's, it's really one central charge. We throw off the weight of sin so that we can 
run unencumbered. Right? We consider Jesus, it says, so that we don't grow weary and faint-hearted as we run. The point of the passage is that we're supposed to run with endurance, and everything else is given as support and encouragement for us so that we can run well. I know some of you like to run. Uh, so, so hearing this passage is, is maybe almost intrinsically motivating for you. Like, all right, let's run. Let's get out there. Let's do it, right? Uh, but I also know for some of us, even thinking about running just makes us more tired. Uh, and this passage can feel, uh, at least at first glance, exhausting and maybe overwhelming to think about running for our entire lives. God makes both kinds of people, doesn't he? <laughs> and everybody in between. Uh, and, and he puts us together in the church because we need each other. We, we need to be in each other's lives. None of us makes it through this ultra-marathon of life uh, by ourselves, right, in our own strength. Uh, if we're to be faithful to him, we need one another uh, as part of that support. Uh, I actually, I, I used to be a distance runner. Uh, th these days, my knees don't really let me run at all, which is a little embarrassing to say in my 30s, but it's the truth. Um, I can tell you, that distance running takes a lot of self-discipline. Uh, it takes a lot of discipline, but it's also a whole lot easier to do long distances when you have the right equipment and when you have somebody to run with you to encourage you along the way as you get tired. And that's what God offers us in our text today. Everything we need to encourage us to keep running until we reach that finish line and fall into the arms of our loving Father in heaven. And the main point that, it, that it's all going to come back to, uh, we should probably expect it by now after 11 chapters in the book of Hebrews, the main point, uh, everything it's going to come back to is Jesus, right? We fix our eyes on him. We consider him. We ask him to give us the endurance we need. And he takes away our encumbering sin. And he gives us a great cloud of witnesses. And most of all, he gives us himself. Jesus is the one who never leaves us and who never forsakes us, who runs with us every step of the way, the one who knows the trials and the perils along the way intimately because he's already run the race himself. So he's able to help us as we run. He is the one who's worthy of our attention and our focus. He provides what we need. He's both the best running partner and the goal itself. So as we look at the blessings that he provides for the race of the Christian life, my prayer is that we'll be encouraged to fix our eyes on him and to run in his steps all the more. Because life is a marathon. It is. Uh, and the Lord is concerned for us that we don't grow weary or faint-hearted as we seek to follow him. So what remedies does he provide? Or what remedy, I should say? What safeguard against weariness? Well, look at verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Do you ever feel weary? Faint-hearted? You ever, you ever uh, catch some hostility against yourself? 
It's election week, Pastor Jonathan. We all feel that way. <laughs> yes, we do, right? Whether it's, whether it's the news or, or tension and strife all around you, whether, whether it's just the reality of life these days, it's so, so different and, and unpredictable, right? It's uncertain. Uh, whether it's the ongoing slog of the semester or the job or whether it's the loss of a loved one or an opportunity or a dream, whatever it may be that causes it in our lives, Jesus knows what that's like to feel weary and faint-hearted. He knows what that's like. He's been there. He's endured far worse. Right? When Jesus disagreed with the prevailing political opinions of the day, among other opinions, they crucified him, right? They crucified him. He knows what it's like to be rejected by those he loves, uh, to lose loved ones. He, he knows it all, and he offers grace to help us in our time of need. You can remember back to uh, chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews in verses 14 through 16. It's explicit. He knows what it's like, and he offers grace to help us in our time of need. And, and even further back, chapter 2, verse 18, he has suffered, and so he's able to help those who suffer. Now, how does he do that? How does he support us when we're weary or when we're faint-hearted? Well, he does it in a lot of ways. Uh, first, he gives us a great cloud of witnesses. That's verse 1. You remember uh, back in chapter 11, a whole long list of people that he named, just name after name after name, person after person, who messed up. Remember that? Often in really big ways. People who didn't run well, but who by faith accomplished a lot for God's glory and for the good of God's people. Or, or it's probably better to say God accomplished a lot through them. Right? These, these witnesses uh, remind us that God works through imperfect people, people like Samson and Jephthah, remember? That, that, that victory comes through the Lord alone, that when we don't deserve to even run in the race, he not only gives us a place, but he makes sure that we make it to the finish line. He makes sure himself that we make it all the way to the end. Those reminders from God's word encourage us, so we read God's word to lift our drooping hands and strengthen our weak knees, as he'll go on to tell us in verse 12 of chapter 12. We'll probably see that uh, next time we come back to Hebrews. So we can run with endurance. Right? That's, that's uh, the point. This is a, a, an aid in our running so we can have endurance. But it's not just those witnesses who are all dead and gone who encourage us. Right? As, as we already said, uh, God also puts us in a family now so that while we're running, so, so we can see and, and hear actual live running partners in the church, in the family of God, because the Christian life, it's not a solo race. It's not a solo race. We're not called just to run on our own. Jesus gives us support and help in the form of one another. It's a whole lot easier to run long distances with a partner or a group to encourage one another, especially as we start to get tired. But we can help one another. We can, we can encourage one another. And friends, that's a church. 
that's the family of God. That's, that's one of the, the great blessings that the Lord gives to us is we have a community of people who can support us and whom we can also support. So I'll challenge you, if you don't have uh, anyone right now that, that you regularly check in on, make that a goal this week. One goal this week. Find somebody. Ask a brother or sister in Christ how their race is going this week. How can you be praying for them? Right? Get connected with a community group, too. Uh, th- those are great places. We do this for each other on a regular basis, encouraging one another with the scriptures and with prayer, right, in, in one of our small groups, our home groups. Do it uh, formally through those small groups, uh, through, through uh, prayer partnerships. Uh, do it also informally around dinner tables and coffee tables. But, but just don't cut yourself off from the body of Christ six days of the week, right? Because parts of the body don't just need that life-sustaining blood flow one day a week. We need it all the time, and we're given to each other all the time, not just for our own good, but for the good of our neighbors in the church as well. It's, it's mutual encouragement that helps all of us reach the finish line, because this isn't a race that we have to win. Jesus has already won the race. The goal is just to finish. Help one another finish, not stop it. Another way Jesus helps us to run well, uh, to endure, uh, and to avoid weariness is by calling us and helping us to throw off extra weight and sin that clings so closely, as the text says. It tangles us up. Now, this one's largely self-explanatory. If our goal is to run the race well, we we don't want to be carrying around extra baggage, right? Right? Uh, we don't want to have our shoelaces untied or be running with ankle weights on, as it were. But that's what sin is. It hinders our ability to run well because our goal is Jesus. And sin drags us in all kinds of wrong directions, right? It takes us off of where we should be going. And sin trips us up and it would do everything it could to force us to stop running, right? To focus on our sin or our sin, or our sin, instead of on Jesus, where our eternal hope lies. So he tells us to cast it aside, throw it off, to turn away from sin and turn to Jesus constantly, all the time, because that's the only way we avoid focusing on the sin, which distracts us from our goal. I've used this example before, but uh, you know, if we want to turn from our sin, the best way to do so is right, to turn to Jesus. There's only one right way. Everything else is the wrong way, right? Because uh, if we're always focusing on, you know, just don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, right? Where's our focus? It's on our sin, right? It's on our sin. Instead, we have to turn our focus on Jesus, and it'll necessarily be turned away from It's like if I said, whatever you do, don't think about a yellow school bus. Well, what's the first thing that popped into your head? What's the first image? It was a yellow school bus, wasn't it? Yeah. But if instead now I said, think about a blue pickup truck, I say, well, now the more and more we focus on that pickup truck, the smaller and smaller that school bus starts to fade in the background, isn't it? It's the same with fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
which is exactly why that's the remedy that God gives us in this passage for throwing off our sin. It's the very next thing he says, right? It's his light that overcomes the darkness of our sin, so we move towards light. But he doesn't just call us to do it on our own. Before we move to how we fix our eyes on Jesus, let's remember the the truth that not only does he give us one another to encourage each other in our running away from sin and running toward Jesus, to keep each other accountable in our running, but Jesus himself is also at work sanctifying his people, making us more like himself through his spirit within us, helping us to turn from sin and to turn to him. He himself helps us. He has, as as we read earlier in our assurance of pardon, perfected us for all time by his sacrifice in an eternal sense. And in the here and now, uh, that, that passage says, we are being sanctified, right? Not we are called to make sure we sanctify ourselves, right? No, but we are being sanctified by his work in us. It's by his grace that we are saved, but it's also by his grace that we grow in our faith, that we become able to run better, as it were. Again, we're still called to run, right? We're still called to run, but only because he gives us grace for each step. Jesus himself doesn't leave us to run alone, but he is actively at work in the lives of his people in different ways, at different times, but always there ensuring that we keep moving towards that finish line, towards that goal. And we we thank him, right? Because this is a long race, uh, the Christian life. And it's easy to get tired, to want to just give up, just, just throw up our hands and be done with it. But we're called to run with endurance. So he gives us what we need to keep moving. And most importantly, towards that end, he gives us himself. So how does he do that? How, how does he encourage and support us with himself? Well, we just talked about his sanctifying work in us, right? Helping us get rid of that extra weight and sin. Uh, But he also serves as our permanent guide, running coach, and partner, right? He's he's run these trails himself, and now he promises never to leave us or forsake us, but to help us every step of the way until he brings us to the very end. So we are helped more and more as we turn our focus more and more on him as our chief helper. But that begs the question then, how? How do we focus on Jesus? How do we fix our eyes on him? Well, it's not a new or or, or radical answer. (laughs) It's probably something you already know or suspect. Where do we see Jesus most clearly? In his word, right? Uh, Where do we seek him most earnestly in his word and in prayer? Where do we hear his voice in his word read and preached and spoken to us by our brothers and sisters in Christ? We fix our eyes on Jesus using the ordinary means of grace that he has given to us, the scriptures, prayer, fellowship with one another, public worship, the sacraments, 
And then we apply God's word in our lives so that in every situation we're seeking his will, his glory, running toward him so that uh, in our work we can ask ourselves, what would honor Jesus here? How can I honor Jesus in this interaction, in this task, in this relationship? What would be most honoring to Jesus in how I interact with this person, with this family member, with this friend, this co-worker, this rival, with this needy acquaintance, whoever it may be. In my downtime, what would honor Jesus right now? In my eating and drinking, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, what would honor Jesus in everything we do? We can ask that question. That's focusing, fixing our eyes on and if that sounds like a lot, that's because it is. <laughs> that is a lot, right? God's call on our life is not small. It's not easy. He's the Lord of every moment, every thought. And if, if we think we're doing pretty well at measuring up and, and running like he wants us to, we're probably not realizing just how great his call to be holy as he is holy is. Right? His call on our lives. We could never measure up. To what, uh, what is required. But that's why we need him, right? That's why we need him. We, we could never make it to the end without him. We couldn't even run in the first place or take any step of the way apart from Jesus. But he also doesn't ask us to, right? He is, he's too gracious for that. He doesn't call us to run in our own strength. He himself is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, as the text says. He's not just the author of every person here, uh, the, 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 the founder of Christianity in general, but he, uh, the, the, the very one who gave each of us the faith that we have to trust in him, Ephesians 2. And he is working now to sanctify us and make us better runners, more focused, less distracted by sin, quicker to repent when we get off track until that work that he began in us, he brings it to completion. And his perfection perfects us. That's what Jesus does. He is the founder and the perfecter, the beginning and the end, and everything in between. All we have is Christ, as we sang earlier. So we run to him. We seek him with all that we have. Nothing else in life could be more important. So take that time daily to seek Jesus in prayer and in the scriptures. Take the time to encourage a brother or sister in their faith. Pray for them. Even better, pray with them if uh, the situation allows. Take the time to ask, what would honor Jesus in all of life, even if it's hard, even if it hurts? That's how we want to run this race with endurance. Because the Lord reminds us that Jesus knows what that's like. He endured 
pain as well for doing what was pleasing to God, didn't he? He even endured the shame and humiliation and physical and mental torture of the cross, as our text reminds us. But he did so not just by gritting his teeth and bearing it, just, just powering through it. He did so focusing on the joy that was set before him. The joy that was set before him. He knew that his suffering wasn't the end, that that this long slog of, of, a, of a brutal race wasn't the end. It's not his finish line. There's the joy of obedience and of ransoming a people for himself and, and coming into his inheritance, being uh, reunited with his Father in heaven on the other side. And brothers and sisters of Christ, that's our finish line too, right? That's our finish line. If, if your faith is in Jesus for life and death, and whether you're focused on Jesus like you should have, uh, like you should be, uh, whether you've gotten so far off the track that you're not even sure how to get back, whether you've run hard, or whether you've treated the race of faith as just something kind of extra on the side that, you know, maybe that's for Sundays or something that I'll kind of get to eventually, probably. Right? No matter what, his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you because Jesus endured the cross with all of its shame and he defeated it by rising again from the dead and ascending into heaven where he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you, having finished his race and now ensuring that he will bring you to the finish line as well, where everlasting joy and sure, eternal hope, everlasting waits. So, sisters, brothers, fix your eyes on the Savior who lived and died for you, not because you deserve it, because we don't deserve it, and we never could. And in love, he would not let us go to our own condemnation, but he took the burden of your sin and my sin on himself and took it all the way to the cross and to the grave. Consider him who endured such hostility for you in his amazing grace that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted as you run with endurance the race that he's graciously laid out for you and runs with you every step of the way. He is the goal. Faithfulness to him is the race, and he provides what we need to run in it. You know, we have lots of goals in life, don't we? Realistically, right? we, we have a lot of goals. We want to love our families well. Uh, we want to be successful. We want to be healthy. We want to be happy, right? We have lots of goals, and Jesus has plenty of room for pursuing those goals under the chief goal of loving him in ways that honor honoring him, being faithful to his call. We can pursue those other goals as, uh, as a means of loving him, right? As, as, uh, as, as um, yeah, using the, the um, ways that he gives us to honor him in them, right? Pursuing them uh, in, in ways that honor him. But it doesn't quite work the other way around, right? If, if running with and towards Jesus is just one goal out of many, if 
we want to be successful, right? We want to love our families. We want to be healthy. We want to be happy. And we also want to love Jesus. Somehow, I don't know how it works this way, but somehow when you, when you put them all on the same level, there's not enough room, right? Something gets crowded out. Jesus ends up getting crowded out, doesn't he? And th- think about uh, just your own experience, right? You, you probably already know this to be true, if you think about it. Uh, when Jesus is one of many things we're trying to pursue, we fail to pursue him as we ought. And we probably fail in at least one other thing too. But when Jesus is first and everything else is in its proper order in place, there's room for all of the things that he calls us to. And the rest, just, it just it's not as bothersome. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't matter as much when Jesus is first. In short, we find the endurance we need when our priorities, when our focus is on Christ. Fix your eyes on him first. Make use of those ordinary means of grace that he gives to you to strengthen you for the race to run and run with joy to the lover of your soul. Let's uh, pray and give thanks to God for his grace. Lord Jesus, we thank you Thank you for loving us more than we love ourselves, for providing for us strength that we could never find in ourselves, but we receive it gladly from you. We turn our eyes more and more on you and away from ourselves, answer our fears and our doubts which keep us from running well with your gracious presence so that they shrink away into silence your awesome glory and unmeasured love. Lord, encourage us from your word, from our brothers and sisters in Christ, from prayer, public worship, the sacraments, and by every means you will so that we joyfully run with endurance the race you've laid out for us and that you run with us every step of the way to draw us to yourself and bring us by your power all the way to the finish, as you promised to do, our founder and our perfecter, until we know that joy set before us in all of its fullness, and we know forever that peace of God which surpasses all understanding as we rest with you in the home you've prepared for us. Till then, we ask all of this for your glory and in the strength that you give us 